0: Thank you, Beryl, and choir, and Gail, and Barb. Um, as I read through the uh, the cantata that Beryl had chosen, um, also as I looked at Luke, as we've been walking through Luke, um, chapter 21 didn't seem to fit real well, um, so I started to look. You probably noticed the, the theme of redemption is is pretty um, central in that cantata, and um, so I started to study all of what the Bible... I looked up every reference of, of redemption, Redeemer in the Bible and started thinking about these things. Um, actually, doesn't take all that long. Um, so as we consider the redemption that's in Jesus, I want you to, to remember something that happened a couple of years ago. You probably will remember it as soon as I start reading this little summary of it. On the 15th of January 2009, U.S. Air flight 1549 crashed in the Hudson River in New York. Everybody remember that situation. As the plane fell from the sky, the pilot banked to miss George Washington Bridge by 900 feet. It hit a flock of geese, I think, and left engine went out. Um, the right engine went out, um, and they landed in the water. In one of the most remarkable feats of skill seen in aviation history, he glided the plane into a perfectly titled landing on its belly in the water. All 155 people on board survived the crash. Experts reported that had the positioning of the plane differed even by inches, the aircraft would have spun into cartwheels and broken into pieces. After landing, the emergency exits allowed passengers to escape before the cabin flooded and the pilot walked aisles twice to ensure that everyone was off the plane. Only after did he leave the plane and it began to sink. Only after he left the plane did it begin to sink. For the rest of that day, um, maybe you saw this in the news, there were interviews of passengers that had been on that plane, interviews of the pilot, Um, you know, they were invited to this talk show and that talk show and and on and on. Um, What were those people like? What was their kind of emotional state as they? I watched one little brief clip where they came on one talk show and they had this music and everybody's dancing on the way in. All the people are dancing, and somebody said, "I'd be dancing too if that happened to me. If I was delivered like that." Imagine, imagine even now. This is like you know, four years later, almost three and a half years later. Imagine if. One of those people on the plane, maybe you're one of those people that was on the plane, and that pilot came in and just happened to visit the church today. <laughs> That's like three and a half years ago, you know? Would you would just, I uh, should probably sh- shake his hand, he's a visitor. Or would you just, again, probably just gush with gratitude and joy. You'd be reliving this thing. You'd be so grateful for that deliverance. So in the aftermath of that whole thing, I mean, people were fixated on that. You know, um, we marvel at these human deliverances, and we should. That was an amazing thing. That was a wonderful thing. But I wonder if when people meet us, we're even close to the kind of gratitude and joy and response Of the deliverance of Jesus, which is so much greater than the deliverance of that pilot that day on the Hudson River. How much do we think of the redemption that Jesus accomplished for us? How much do we really think of it? And I don't just mean frequency, though I do mean frequency. I almost also mean how big is it? How much do it? How big is it to us? How much do we we think of it in that sense? Well, if we think little and not just in our heads on a doctrinal, you know, summary or statement, we could nod our heads. I'm talking about your heart, my heart. How much is redemption worth to you? How precious is it to us? Okay, what does the Bible say about redemption? It says a lot. Okay, you could summarize what the Bible says about it like this, and we're, gonna, we're just going to look at, in a sense, kind of a 30,000-foot flyby of redemption in all of the Bible. Okay, so in a sense, our text this morning is the Bible. Okay, not a particular text like usual. It's, what does the whole Bible have to say about Redemption, and I hope that it becomes sweeter to us. And you'll see that it should have some pretty significant impact in the way that we live day to day. But we need to we need to soak in it a little bit here and make sure that it is sweet. That we really realize the dimensions of it. We really realize the greatness of it. We really realize how wondrous this love is. That our Redeemer delivered us delivered us like this. So. Um, You could summarize redemption in the Bible like this, and I'm talking obviously about, uh, there's other contexts in the Bible where redemption is referred to um, in the Old Testament. You can redeem a person, you can redeem an animal, and so forth, but I'm talking supremely about the redemption, which is what the Bible focuses on supremely. The redemption that God accomplished for us through Christ. Okay, You could summarize it like this. Redemption is deliverance from slavery to sin and its effects, Born out of love, accomplished by great power, at great cost, that leads to new belonging and freedom. Okay, we're going to actually take that apart piece by piece. Um, Little meditations on each of those pieces um, in our time here studying God's Word. So some of these texts I'll have you turn to. Some of them I'll just have you listen to so that you can savor them and not waste the time missing the text by taking the time to turn there so again my prayer my thought is that we would not think little of redemption or of our redeemer but that we would glory in our redeemer that we would think much and often of his redeeming grace and that this reality of redemption would have its intended effects on our lives so first of all and there's a little outline in the bulletin if that's helpful for you Um, It's born of love. Redemption is born of love. It comes from the love of God. So in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 7, 7 says this, The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out, Israelites from Egypt, by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So it's because he loved you he did this. It's born of love. Okay, Psalm 130, verse 7. This is a sweet one. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Oftentimes in Hebrew poetry, there's parallelism. And the first thought and the second thought are parallel. They're synonymous, or they just kind of like bold face and underline the point. So in that text, in 130 verse 7, his steadfast love and his plentiful redemption are put side by side so that you can see that they're together. So if you're a Christian this morning, you've been set free by Jesus Christ. Okay, used to be under some different masters. Those former gods, okay, just think back. Those former masters that enslaved you, did they love you? I mean, if some of you look back and say, you know what, I was just this, I was serving money. That was my masters. Money love you? We think money loves us. That's why we serve it. Because Oh, man, if we serve money, he's going to bless me. He's going to bless my life. Comfort, prestige, power, all these things, and then you end up being enslaved. And you'll step on other people, and you'll compromise your integrity, and you'll sacrifice your children. Money doesn't love you. Alcohol abuse, drugs. That love you? That master love you? Maybe you were a slave to the attention of men or women. And certainly there can be some real love in those contexts, but sometimes you can see the abuse and the abusing that goes on because of these false idols. When Satan tells you lies and he prompts you, he tempts you, you know, he, he puts some, you know, really tempting bait on his hooks. They're cleverly baited. Is that because he loves you? The things and the people that you lived for, so so many of them, they didn't love you. They used you. They enslaved you. Okay? His redemption, our God's redemption, is born of love. Our God, the true and living God is not a, a cruel slave master. He's a loving redeemer. The cross that accomplished an eternal redemption was born of love. So that's the first thing it's, where does it come from? Why did he do this? It's because of love. He's a loving redeemer. Secondly, redemption is accomplished by might, by power. Okay. Exodus is a perfect example of this. Whenever the Exodus is spoken of in the old Testament, invariably the power of Yahweh is to redeem his people to deliver them from the land it's highlighted. Remember language like with an outstretched arm and a mighty hand. Okay, so it's his power. He showed his power over Pharaoh, who was like the man. Okay, he was the ruler at that time. And Yahweh made it really clear that, you know what, you will do my will. So he showed his power in and through this deliverance. Deuteronomy 9 26 says, I pray to the Lord and said, o, God, o Lord God, do not destroy your people, even your inheritance, whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Or in Jeremiah 50, verse 33, the sons of Israel are oppressed, the sons of Judah as well, and all those, um, and all who took them captive have held them fast. You know, so through history, the Assyrians and the Babylonians, these were great kingdoms, mighty kingdoms. And then what comes next is they have refused to let them go, these oppressors, and then it says their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He will vigorously plead their case so that he may bring rest to the earth. Okay? So that's just the first exodus. There's a second greater exodus that was a greater deliverance requiring greater power. Even though it came through weakness, the cross is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. So listen to the plight we were in. They were in Egypt, Pharaoh, cruel oppressor, heavy burden, and so forth. But this is all of our story Every human being is in this place apart from redemption. Ephesians 2. In fact, turn there. Ephesians 2, 1. It's on page 1170 in the Pew Bible if you need it. Listen to the situation that we were in apart from the redeeming love and grace of Jesus. And you were dead "...in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, uh, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest." And that's exactly where we would still be, apart from... A mighty deliverance by redeeming love. But God, rich in mercy and with great love, redeemed us. Okay, which is why Paul prays in Colossians 1 that the Colossians and then we as well, that we would be a people that joyously give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Because we were rescued from the domain of darkness. That's where we were. We were locked in. We were slaves, darkened. We had our heads down. We didn't even know we were slaves. And He transferred us. He rescued us and transferred us from that kingdom, from that slavery, transferred us to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Here's the other cool thing. The redemption, redemption in many contexts in the Bible, um, is accomplished by power or wealth of one who acts as next of kin. Okay, this is the kinsman-redeemer idea, you know, that we're familiar with maybe from the book of Ruth. You know, Boaz was the kinsman, kinsman redeemer, redeemed Ruth and Naomi. Okay, a kinsman-redeemer acts on behalf of his needy family, extended in order to protect and provide for them and restore the family's wholeness and peace. Well, listen to this. Isaiah 41, 14 says, Do not fear, you worm Jacob. (laughs) Okay, God calls his people a worm. Um, Well, we're worm-like. We kind of dig around in the dirt with our head down. Um, We're small. Do not fear, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I will help you. Declares the Lord, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah six: Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. The hem of His robe fills the temple. Like just the the, the you know the angelic beings that are crying out, shaking the earth and the threshold, and and Isaiah just feels like he's coming apart. You know, I'm I'm unclean, man of unclean lips. He's just like ah. That's the Holy One of Israel. And he says, I'm going to be your next of kin, and I'm going to deliver you. That's what he declares in Isaiah forty-one fourteen. The worm Jacob, I'm going to be your next of kin to redeem you, to help you, rescue you, redeem you. So if you want to talk about next of kin and redemption, listen to Hebrews two. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free That's redemption language, those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had, to be, he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted and that which he had suffered, he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. <laughs> so, Back in Isaiah 41, you might think, well, yeah, next of kin, that's kind of a nice thought. God actually became next of kin to redeem us. He took on flesh so that He could redeem us and come to our aid and and rescue us. Okay, so redemption is born of love. It's accomplished by might, by this great kinsman redeemer, Redemption is also from slavery at great cost, okay? So it's deliverance from slavery. It's deliverance from indebtedness. It's deliverance from the condemnation that comes as a result of that indebtedness, and it comes at a great price, okay? So first, from slavery. Think about this. Please don't think about this as just, okay, you know, why are we looking? This This is the slavery you were redeemed from, so the, the, the more you see the facets of this gospel redemption diamond, the more you see, that's my story. The sweeter it's going to become to us. That's the whole point. Okay, So the slavery that you were in and under was imposed from outside. Okay, Like in the Old Testament, it was the house of slavery. It was, it was um, Pharaoh and his heavy you know, burden and that yoke of slavery that that the Lord broke. Sometimes it was... You know, foes, enemies. Sometimes it's called a pit. Redeem my life from the pit. Okay, these external circumstances. So you and I, we've never been oppressed in Egypt, I don't think. Most of us probably not. But we've all been enslaved. Okay? Enslaved from without, like Ephesians 2 says, the prince of the power of the air. The world we were just kind of going along like cows herded to slaughter. I mean that's where we were. We didn't even know it. And then also the slavery within. Slaves of sl- sin. In in 1st Peter 1 it talks how, about how we were we were redeemed from the feudal ways inherited from our forefathers. Anybody want to, you know, anybody could give testimony that, you know, you came from this angry abusive background and the Lord just pulled you out and redeemed you from those futile ways that apart from the grace of God you would have done the same thing? Dysfunction of all kinds. Sometimes God just breaks in and he stops that cycle right there. How about sexual dysfunction of the homo or heterosexual kind? Any of you redeemed out of that? Former slavery? We could go on and on with the list. Redemption is deliverance from slavery. Without within, he broke it all. He conquered it all, okay? And he did it at great cost. Psalm 49.7 says, Truly no man can ransom, that's a redemption word, ransom another. Or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. We can't pay the debt. We're in over our heads. Our sin, wages of sin is death. We can't pay that penalty. Jesus comes on the cross in our place says it's finished, paid in full. Colossians 2, when you were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Or First 1 Peter 1.18, you've got to see this one. 1 Peter 1.18. I just referenced it before, but I didn't share the whole of it. It's on 12.12 in the Pew Bible. So knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, that wasn't the, the cost paid. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but you were redeemed with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Okay, that is great price. That's a great cost that God paid for our redemption. And he wasn't paying Satan. He wasn't buying off Satan. Satan. Our debt was to God. Our sin and our debt was to him. So he pays the debt we owe to him and covers for us. So the greater the slavery, see, if you think little of the slavery, if you think lightly of the slavery that was your slavery, you will think lightly of the redemption and the deliverance. If you realize the depth and the width of the slavery, you will be so grateful For the redemption. Like, some of those people on the plane, they didn't know they landed in water until the door opened. If they had had a quote-unquote crash landing at the airport, which is what they were expecting, well, one of the engines went out, we just need to do an emergency landing. They would not have thought that their lives were in as much danger as they really were. Because those kinds of emergency landings happen more often. It's not as rare as this situation. So they wouldn't be quite as effusive and dancing on the way into They wouldn't have even been called to the talk show. So if we think little of the redemption, I'm sorry, of the slavery, we're going to think little of the redemption. So we need to study, whoa, that's where I was. I can't forget that. I didn't even realize how enslaved I was. So <clears throat> the greater the slavery, the greater the debt, the greater the curse, the greater the condemnation, the greater the price needed to pay and the greater the price needed to pay, the greater the redemption and the greater the love. Okay. They're all tied together. So no wonder we're going to sing this song for all eternity in revelation five, nine, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals for you were slain and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You purchased us. You paid that great cost, that infinite cost. This infinitely precious blood of Christ was shed for us. The riches of his mercy at great cost, right? Were poured out on us utterly spiritually destitute, debt-ridden people. We have been delivered because he refused to be delivered. Okay, so redemption is born of love. It's accomplished by power, might. It's a deliverance from slavery at great cost. And redemption is also for... Ownership. It results in the redeemed belonging to the Redeemer. In the Old Testament, listen to Second Samuel 7.23. And what nation on earth is like your people Israel, whom God went to redeem for Himself as a people, and to make a name for Himself, and to do a great thing for you, and awesome things for your land, before your people whom you have redeemed for yourself from Egypt, from nations and their gods. He redeemed us for Himself, that we would be His people. This is so sweet. Listen to Isaiah 43.1. But now thus says the Lord your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Is that sweet? Is that sweet to anybody? If we really knew the danger that we were in, Open the door, water, inches, 900 feet from the bridge. Then all of a sudden, it's so sweet. Or in the New Testament, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So redemption is born of love. It's accomplished by might. It's deliverance from slavery at a great cost. That we would belong to him, that we would be his. And it's intended for freedom. Redemption is for freedom. It brings about the results of freedom and peace. Okay, so the Israelites, out of oppressive slavery, he broke the bars of the yoke. You know, they were under the burdens of slavery. Okay, and for us, the same thing. Remember the slavery outside, inside. The whole point of this redemption is that that oppressive slavery is broken. The power of it is broken so that we can be free. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Galatians 5. Okay, so we're we're set free from the slavery to Satan, the slavery to this world. Okay, the world is crucified to us, like it says in Galatians 6. We're not of the world. Okay, the world is just the sinful... Our own sinful hearts writ large, you know, creates a strong current. But now by grace, we can swim against that current. We don't have to just float along like jellyfish. And then Satan, he loves to blind eyes. He loves to tell lies. He loves to twist and distort so that we don't see the glory of God in the face of Christ. But by the power of the gospel, the spirit of God opens our blind eyes and we're set free. Set free from His lies and power and ruling influence. Greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. And sin's rule is broken in our heart. Romans 6, that's what it's all about. We're no longer enslaved to our sinful nature. Are we going to fight it till the day we die? Of course. But its decisive rule is broken. This is a great passage. Isaiah forty eight seventeen says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit. P-R-O-F-I-T. To teach you to benefit. I, I want to lead you on the good path. Your Redeemer teaches you to profit who leads you in the way you should go, which means He took you off the path of destruction, put you on the path of life. Your mind, you're mine. You're going to go down this road now to freedom and life and blessing and and peace, and freedom. That's what I did all of this for. So there's freedom and peace. There's power and ability to walk that path because of redemption. So redemption is born of love, accomplished by might. It's deliverance from slavery at great cost that we might belong to Him, leading to freedom and peace. That's a great salvation. I'm not, I mean, can I do it justice like this in this short a time? No. We, we need to study this thing for the rest of our lives, and we're going we're to sing of it and and. It's going to come home to us in new and fresh ways for all eternity. We're going to just be blown away. We have a worthy, wondrous Redeemer. Okay? Now, you might guess that the Bible says a thing or two about our response to this great redemption. Okay? Redemption, lastly, is response-worthy. Here's just a few. One, joy. Psalm 71, 23 says, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, and my soul, which you have redeemed... What's like the joy quotient in your life? If you're joyless, maybe, maybe we're out of touch with the greatness of our Redeemer. Maybe this is exactly what we need to just soak in. We need to remind ourselves of the Gospel. We need to have kind of the calluses of our hearts torn off so that we're sensitive to the greatness of our loving Redeemer and His redemption of us. Thanksgiving. Psalm 107 one, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he's good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But sometimes we don't have anything to say because we're out of touch with the greatness of this redemption. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. So if, if our lives are characterized by ungratefulness and complaining and self pitying, guess what? We've lost touch, we've lost sight of our Redeemer. You see why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day? That's where thanksgiving comes from. That's where joy comes from. Is really soaking in and savoring the greatness of God's wondrous love for us in Christ, our Redeemer. Another one, fear not. I read it before. I'll read it again. But now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, Isaiah 43, 1, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, you are mine. Do you know how big that I is? I've redeemed you. Fear not. So if we're slaves still of fear, we need to get in touch with the realities of redemption. Okay? A few more responses that the Bible pushes us in the direction of, as far as the, the, the effects, the impact, the application of, of redemption. The redeeming grace of God is intended to shape our responses to other people in need. You know why? So that we, the redeemed, don't operate like, or act like, or behave like, or have attitudes like little pharaohs burdening the weak and the poor. Wouldn't that be just a lie? Like telling a lie about our redemption. if we went around like little pharaohs, oppressing people, burdening people, and, and actually neglecting the weak and the poor rather than blessing them? No. When we're in touch with redemption and the slavery that we've been set free from and this great cost that's been paid and all of this grace, when we run into weak and needy and enslaved ones... We want to deal with them just like God has dealt with us. And we want to point them to the God who can deal with them like he's dealt with us. One example, Deuteronomy fifteen thirteen. When you set him free, you shall not send him away empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally from your flock and from your threshing floor and from your wine vat. You shall give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this day you see that how about this i hadn't put these two things together until this week we talk about redeeming the time redeeming the time just because it's the same word that's used for redemption in other places so let me just read two passages that talk about this conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders people that don't believe in jesus don't trust him as their savior making the most of the opportunity or redeeming Buying up the opportunity. Or Ephesians 5.15, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Do you see the other-centeredness of that? The days are evil. There's still, there's still so many people that are, that are still enslaved in the domain of darkness. And Jesus is still on His redemptive mission. And you're participating in it with Him. So, redeem the time. You actually knowing the redeeming grace of God, you buy up those opportunities and give the redeeming grace and love and mercy and kindness to other people that need it. And we all know this, even though we've been set free, if we're in Christ, it's so easy to just end up in a ditch, enslaved again. So our fellow brothers and sisters are going to need delivered from the ditches they've wandered into. I'm going to need pulled out. So we need to, Make the most of every opportunity. Redeem the time in that sense, loving other people with redemptive love because we've been redeemed. And then finally, the Bible talks about redemption as something that's going to happen in the future. It's a past, present and future reality. Romans 8:23 says, "Not only this, we ourselves, having the first fruit of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body." You have any struggles with ongoing temptation and sin? Anybody? <laughs> you ever get tired of this battle? You ever just want to throw up your hands? I'm tempted to read this letter. Maybe I'll just put it on on uh, the uh, on the blog. The letter from a woman who struggles with and is fighting against homosexual orientation, and she is a believer, and she is not giving way. Like trying to. You know, oh man, I'm just going to read it. Um, basically, she's saying we are more more present than you realize and we're not like the stereotypes we come in all colors, shapes, sizes we're single married mothers fathers etc etc when the word homosexual is mentioned in the church we hold our breaths and sit in fear most often this word is followed with condemnation laughter hatred or jokes may that never be here rarely do we hear any words of hope at least we recognize our sin does the church as a whole see theirs do you see the sin of pride that you are better than or more acceptable to jesus than we are Have you been Christ-like in your relationships with us? Would you meet us at the well or restaurant for a cup of water or coffee? Would you touch us even if we showed signs of leprosy or AIDS? Would you call us down from our trees as Christ did Zacchaeus and invite yourself to be our guest? Would you allow us to sit at your table and break bread? Can you love us unconditionally and support us as Christ works in our lives, as he works in yours to help us all to overcome? To those of you who would change the church to accept the gay community and its lifestyle, you give us no hope at all to those of us who know God's word and will not delude it to fit our desires, we ask you to read John's letter to the church in Pergamum. Quote, I have a few things against you. You have, you have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore. You are willing to compromise the word of God to be politically Correct. We are not deceived. If we accept your willingness to compromise, then we must also compromise. We must therefore accept your lying, your adultery, your lust, your idolatries, your addictions, your sins. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We do not ask for your acceptance of our sins any more than we accept yours. We simply ask for the same support, love, guidance, and most of all, hope that is given to the rest of your congregation. We are your brothers and sisters in Christ. We are not what we shall be, but thank God we are not what we were. Let us work together to see that we all arrive safely home. Have you ever talked to someone that's struggling like that? Do you know how hard it is for them? And it may be hard until the day they die and they are fully redeemed and they eagerly await that day. That's just one picture of the struggle with sin that we redeemed people will experience. So we need to be really well acquainted with redemption, past tense, done, yes, power, great cost, love. He did it. He can continue to keep delivering me from these temptations, present. Put your struggle in. And one day, we need to keep reminding ourselves, one day we're going to be fully set free. And we groan as we eagerly await that day. So what's yours? Could be like hers. Could be food. It could be pride. It could be people pleasing. It could be jealousy, envy, contentment. So we focus on redemption because we need that grace to be so big in our lives so that we know and have hope and confidence that we can keep being delivered in the present as we eagerly await the full freedom in the future. In two weeks, we're going to get back into Luke. And listen to what it says in twenty-one twenty-eight. But when these things begin to take place, straight, these are hard things that are going to take place, but straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. That should be so sweet to us who are fighting as free and yet not yet totally free sinners. So, think about the past. Can you remember the slavery? You need to stop and remember the slavery so that you savor the deliverance. Do you know what you've been delivered from? Apart from redemption, we all would still be slaves of sin in the domain of darkness under the harsh rule of a God of this world, owing an infinite debt to God with no ability to pay. Present. Are you still enslaved? What, what's got you today? I mean, I, I, I literally went through the, the directory because I know a lot of you. I mean, at some level, I know you all, but some of you have shared things that the Lord has redeemed you from, like alcoholism, drug abuse, sexual dysfunction of the homosexual or heterosexual varieties, anger, abuse and abusing, depression, self-righteousness, critical spirits, complaining. That's not a little thing. Think Israelites in the desert, and God's response. Prickly crankiness passivity and laziness, pride, gluttony, eating disorders, love of money, cutting, lying, idolatry of all sorts, gossip, slander, covetousness, jealousy, taking matters into your own hands, manipulation and spin doctoring, belittling others and treating them with contempt, fears of all sorts, fear of man, fear of death, etc., etc., et control freakism, selfishness, love of comfort, etc. Et I'm in here and all of us are in here. And I know that the Lord has delivered us from all of these things. And we're all going to struggle with stuff like this until the day we die. So we need continual redeeming grace. So what's got you today? What is enslaving you? What has you? Guess what? Jesus is in the business of freeing people. So think about all you just heard about the Bible saying, born of love, you know mighty hand outstretched arm deliverance from slavery outside inside for freedom to make you his own at great cost do you think he can get you unstuck today what's in your mind do you think he can get, do you believe he can get you unstuck do you think he's willing do you think he's able to free you and set you free do you think he's not loving enough No, it's born of love. Do you think he's not powerful enough or wealthy enough to pay the cost? Do you think the cross wasn't enough? No, it's a great redemption. Do you think Jesus can't handle your enemies and threats outside oppressing you? Do you think he can't handle the the masters enslaving you from within? Do you feel helpless, powerless? Guess what? You are. That's a good place to be. But your Redeemer lives and he's strong. He's stronger than all those things and he can free you. So, right now on the spot, you can cry out to him to rescue you, whether it's for the first time or for the 5,000th time. And he will do it. It's a great redemption, a great Redeemer. Past, present, we need it. (laughs) And we look forward to the day when we'll be fully and finally freed. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for this great salvation. We thank you that our Redeemer lives and even this time of year, we focus in special ways on the fact that our Redeemer rose victorious and conquered the grave and His it is finished was vindicated and confirmed when He rose from the dead on Sunday morning. And so would you please, for those who are struggling and feeling enslaved and helpless and hopeless, would you show them your strength as the strong deliverer So that we run to you and are freed by your loving, blood bought grace and mercy. So free us, Lord, and set us on the road of extending this redeeming grace in beautifully joy filled, thanksgiving filled. Sacrificial, gladly sacrificial ways to those around us who are still weak and needy and enslaved in the domain of darkness. Shine your light in us and shine it through us to set people free. In Jesus' name, amen. May the grace and peace of our strong Redeemer be with you all. Go in peace. You just missed.